Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Can you believe that Christmas is right around the corner? No, and I did not buy one present for my daughter yet. Oh, I mean, how old is Gia? Three. She's not going to know. No. Wrap up a pan. I know. My mom sent this big care package. <sighs> ton of gifts. I'm pretty sure I could put my name on one oh, of those. Oh, for sure. <laughs> She'll never know the difference. Margot is, you know, a couple months old. My husband and I are like, what do we do with her? I mm-hmm. mean, well, I guess we'll wrap up something. But for the yeah. most part, we'll just pretend like it's any other day and give our dog a gift, I guess. Yeah, just enjoy. I mean, she only wants one thing, which is like this package deal of she calls it a fruit blender and a coffee maker. So <laughs> it's the only thing she wants. Oh. So that's what she's going to get. All right. I like it. She doesn't ask for a lot, you know? No. She's a simple child. She's a mini chef. She cooks me breakfast every morning. I get uh, lemons and waffles and oh. eggplant <laughs> and her tea set. Yeah. So oh, I love She her. likes to cook. All right. Well, Marco kind of likes to eat. She's just started doing like avocado. So it's really exciting in our household right now. Mm. Baby's first foods. Yeah. All right. Well. Turning to weather. I know. I guess that's why we're here, right? Right. Uh, This is actually an interesting podcast this week because, yes, it's focused on weather, but it also is kind of focused on some other things that you could do outside of meteorology. Um, And this day and age, computers are just such a part of our life and will be a part of our children's lives and having computer literacy and being able to actually understand what's going on. Um, It's something I wish I knew more about and was better at. Mm -hmm. And because I lack in knowledge, I found someone who's a lot better with Mm -hmm. computers and programming and all of that stuff. So our guest is actually a former television meteorologist. Um, He is from Cincinnati, born and raised, went to Penn State, Graduated 2007. Uh, He has been on air uh, in TV for 11 years, which honestly, I didn't know this uh, before asking him some questions before the show. Um, And outside of TV, he worked recently in Cincinnati. So if you know his name, you may recognize it from his Cincinnati station that he worked at. Uh, But he went to Xavier. So if you're from the area, you see Xavier, like, you know, the battle. (laughs) Uh, He got his MBA uh, from Xavier. And now he works in... uh, business intelligence, which, as I mentioned, you can go from meteorology and do a lot of different things in life. And so I think this will be an interesting uh, conversation. Um, He's been my partner in crime with doing some uh, programming and being able to get some information out to the public with um, our computers and the graphics that we use. McCall, you're very familiar with it. But his name is Scott Dimmick, and welcome. Hello. Hi. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, Yeah. we're really excited. I think this is a a unique uh, topic for our podcast. So right? the running joke, and we were talking about this before we started recording, this is the first time that I've had a conversation and have met you, McCall. That's right. But this is not the first time <laughs> right. that I've had a conversation with Kirsty. Yes. But I don't remember meeting Kirsty the first time. It had <laughs> happened. Right. And I said, there's no way that that happened. And then in writing, you actually produced me saying, it was nice to meet you, yeah. Kirsty. And I was like, oh, I am humbled. So it's nice to meet both of you. And I say and, that very humbly. And Kirsty again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right, again. So, um, yeah, great to meet you again. Scott and I, uh, we do a lot of conversation via the computer and Twitter, so it's always fun to, like, see people in real life. Um, But let's start a little bit with uh, who you are, Scott. Yeah. So you are from Cincinnati. Uh, You are a meteorologist, Mm -hmm. always. 
Um, but where did, did you always have a love of weather? I mean, you did grow up in Southwest Ohio. So was that something you knew early on or was it like you went through schooling and McCall and I have an interesting path how we got to our careers, but what's your path? I, as far back as I can remember, I always loved the weather. As far back as my mother and father can remember, I always loved the weather. I was the kind of person that when my uncle was babysitting me, he would just put me in a study turn on the weather channel and I would watch it for hours Aww. and that would be my babysitting. I wouldn't go up, <laughs> wouldn't go to the bathroom, wouldn't go get right. food or anything. I would just watch the weather channel and I, my parents would come back and be like, he has not moved. <laughs> and awesome. I love the weather and you go through grade school and you're distracted with all the coursework. And one thing that was very impactful to me and really helped guide me back into meteorology and making it a career was there was an F4 tornado that went through the northeast side of Cincinnati, mm-hmm. the Blue Ash Montgomery Sims Township 4.30 in the morning, April 9th, 1999. Wow. It was a Friday. And I remember I was in Blue Ash that night, but the tornado began to the east of me. So we were somewhere near where the tornado was forming, probably wow. Funnel Cloud or somewhere mm-hmm. close to it. And it was the loudest thunderstorm of my life. So I remember the strobe light in the room going off. There was some semblance of taking cover, but then everything subsided. We went back to bed, woke up in the morning. Radio comes on in the morning. Sycamore schools, where I graduated from, are closed. And we go, what happened? So because this happened on a Friday, you turn on the TV, you see what's going on. And that occurred going into a weekend. So I spent that entire weekend with the recovery teams across from Sycamore High School in Cincinnati. It was one of the hardest hit communities. Wow. And I remember... Going in there as a volunteer, and I see the X's on the front of a house saying, there's nobody in the house. Everybody's yeah. out. And that was so impactful. And I'm cleaning out debris and trying to get everything back to normal as best as I could as an individual. Mm-hmm. And that just made a big impact on me. So I was a good student. And of course, you get people saying, you should be a doctor, you should be this. But right. I said, Man, maybe this tornado is a sign you should do meteorology. Mm-hmm. So that's why I decided to go to Penn State and make this my career for at least a little while. Wow. Um, so Penn State took you out, out of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, after Penn State, then where'd you go? I went to Southeastern Kentucky. I went to <laughs> Hazard, Kentucky. One nice. yeah. Z on Hazard. And a lot of people think when you go to Eastern Kentucky that you're going to Lexington. Right. No, you're going to the mountains of Southeastern Kentucky. It was a pretty small operation. It was a legitimate television station, but yeah. it was where I got my roots. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was there for about a year and a half and I did the shift that you have, McCall, which is yeah. Monday through Friday mornings. I was very fortunate mm-hmm. with that being my first job uh, at a commercial intelligence station that I was working five days a week doing weather. Yeah. So I was there for about a year and a half and then I went to Evansville, Indiana and I was there for three and a half years. Once again, Monday through Friday mornings, did a little bit more radio, got a lot more experience. And then for my last rotation in late 2011, I came back home to Cincinnati. I got to work for a mentor. I got to work with a friend. I got to work. I got to work with some great meteorologists. So my last circuit was in Cincinnati and I was there for six years. So what was the turning point of saying, okay, I've done the broadcasting thing and now I'm feeling that I need to be fulfilled in a different way. And that changed your path and your Mm -hmm. direction. I think in meteorology, it started when I was in Evansville. So about two years into doing morning weather, Mm -hmm. As a customer, as a viewer, someone that turns on the TV, you're watching for about five to 45 minutes. But when you're doing the morning news, it can get tedious. It can get dry. You got to entertain yourself, if not mm. anyone else. So I started pulling weather records, daily weather records for Evansville. 
It was geeky. I found this. So I, of course I bring this, I bring this into Excel and I'm formatting it by month. And I was just trying to give viewers some weather perspective. I tried to be a good student of meteorology, even after I had left Penn state and I was still working. So I would look around and this is again, 2008, 2009, 2010. It wasn't the stone age, but it was right, like, some time ago. Yeah. Live streams on the internet didn't have commercials. It was just basically whatever we're putting on air, we're just going to serve up to the internet. Right. So I would watch what a lot of meteorologists were doing in other markets. And they were trying to give some weather perspective. So pulling down this data for weather records, giving people perspective and saying, we had a freeze this morning, but what does that mean about the rest of the winter? Well, statistically, all other things ignored, that means we're typically going to have a warmer than average winter. Just trying to create water cooler stuff. Mm -hmm. And there was also a server at the TV station I worked at in Evansville, where if I learned some computer programming, I could use this resource and I could pull weather data from all over the internet and clean it up and process it. Yeah. Boom. Explosion <laughs> in the head. So at the time, weather vendors gave you airport weather data. Mm -hmm. They didn't give you personal weather station, backyard weather station data. And I said, I want to bring that in. So I had to brute force scrape personal weather station conditions from the internet using this tool. And I got it to work. It took a lot of work. It was grueling, blood, sweat, and tears, but I got it to work. And I said, okay, maybe there's a path here. So when I came to Cincinnati, there were five temperatures on the temperature map. I said, you know, there's a weather station down here. You know, there's a weather station over here, right? Aren't we trying to be local? Are right, we trying I, to forecast for a backyard, neighborhood, not yeah. just at the airport? I think George Carlin has a funny joke about nobody lives at the airport. Yes. Right. So yes. don't show me the weather at the airport. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sitting over there in yeah. Terminal A. I'm sitting here in my neighborhood. What's right. the weather like as I get my kids to school and I'm going to work? Right. Yeah. So we took that into consideration and thankfully I had a mentor who was very supportive of me working mm -hmm. on data related projects, at least for the first couple of years that I was in Cincinnati. And then of course there were later chapters as I evolved into business, but in meteorology, just this interest in giving people perspective and using data to tell a better weather story. That's where that all began. Nice. And then, so pursuing your MBA then, you were doing that while you were working full time, correct? Mm -hmm. So I came. What was that like? It was a lot. So here I am in late 2011. I'm working with a mentor, and then in 2013, we're bought out by a different company. Mm -hmm. They have a different business model. They have different priorities. They're going to run their business differently. So I dabbled around. I interviewed a little bit in 2013, and my station caught wind of that, and they said, "No, no, no. You're valuable enough. We're going to keep you here. We'll make it worth your while." And that was great. So that got me through the back end of 2015. And I said, okay, you know, still not doing everything that I want to do. Let me try and dabble into the business world. So I had some business connections, but despite going on interviews, I realized that the one thing that I didn't have was business acumen. I didn't know debits and credits and right. managerial accounting and operations management. I was just looked at as a weatherman or a meteorologist. Right. And I said, okay, I'm not making a lot of headway here. So thankfully somebody at that time who was teaching at a local university said, you should try and do an MBA. If you're going to try and get into a regular business style, non-crazy hours of meteorology right. job, you have to have some experience and some credibility in this space. Mm. So from July of 2016 through, or January of 2016 through July of 2017, I took 15 graduate level courses. That's Oof. insane. I was taking three or four courses a semester. Only one person I worked with who I trusted 
knew. Wow. So I was keeping this more or less a secret because I didn't want to show all my cards and that in a couple of years, I'm probably going to rotate out. Um, Unfortunately, during that time, my mentor passed away. Mm I had applied for a chief meteorologist position, didn't get it. I thought I would move up to mornings, didn't get it. And I said, everything's falling into place that I need to make a transition. Mm -hmm. So, you know, continue to go on the track that you're going on. Late 2017 arrives and the NBA is done. The job search was successful. And all of a sudden, one week I'm on television and the next week I'm in the business world. It was a lot. And to follow up on your question, when you're going at 150 miles an hour taking three to four graduate level courses, a lot of these very quantitative, very analytics, statistically driven, and then all of a sudden you're not doing that anymore, Mm -hmm. you have a lot more time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden. So the hardest part for me in this transition was, what am I going to do with this time? I still love weather. Mm -hmm. I know a change is coming. I need something to fill that bin. And then all of a sudden, the wonderful... Kirsty shows up and it's just so nice and congratulatory about my transition. She said, you said so many good things about my work and graphics and this whole perspective of weather that I was trying to do. And I was trying to pull together like power outages and all yeah. this other stuff. And it was, oh my gosh, and you did an MBA. On it. And I just said, okay, maybe there's a path for me to take this tank of gas that I have for meteorology. Mm-hmm. And burn some of it off because you still love the weather even right. when you go into the business world. Right. So I was like, okay, I got a full tank of gas for weather, but I don't fit with the business model. I'm not happy. I'm not successful. I'm not joyful, at least not as I want to be. So let's pivot this and say, okay, and, and I say this very sincerely, you don't strike me, Kirsty, as the kind of person that likes to code <laughs> in front of a computer all day long. I could think of a guy what? in a basement, thick rim glasses. That's right. not exactly you. You yeah. do what you do and you do it well. But I, I just started reaching out and saying, maybe we could work on some projects together. Yeah, uh, definitely some of your graphics. Uh, I had been watching for a while on Twitter and I was really happy when I did reach out and, and you were like, yeah, let's work on this. I can show you how to do this, but it takes work and you're going to have to learn mm-hmm. um, a little bit more in the computer science world and, and how to code or how to at least understand what I'm sending you with scripts and stuff. And for me, that was an interesting challenge because no, I don't code in my spare time at mm-hmm. all. Um, and, and really, I didn't understand anything. It was like the first time really working with our engineers in a different way. Um, but this has been a really fun journey and a couple of I guess, projects that McCall has worked on with me as well was, you know, what are some, what's some of that data that you had mentioned, some of that perspective and different things that we could try to get to um, our community through television? Because that part of our job is is communication. Right. Um, a big one was power outages. Another one that had always caught my eye was you had all this information with road sensors and road conditions. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard in the morning on the fly when I know it's super important to be able to tell people that I-75 is starting to ice over or whatever. Um, And I was trying to just do it by hand every morning. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can't keep up with this, but it's really useful information. So those were just, I think, two of the big, I guess, projects or scripts that that we were able to work on together. Um, And for me, it, it has been super interesting because I didn't know anything about computers really besides yeah. like building our graphics. Right. And like Kirsty certainly was not, as you mentioned, going into this as someone that has ever coded in her life. We yeah. had another guy previously that worked with us that was 
our computer guy. Like he's yeah, the he one that did everything. Guy. He was the one that talked to um, the company that we make our graphics with all the time. And when he left, it was kind of like, oh, well, we're going to have to pick up what that slack. Yeah, what, what are we do? going to do? So when Kirsty started taking on this project and told me about it, I was like, yeah, 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 good, good. <laughs> and good then, luck with that. Then when it started evolving, I was very impressed. And um, the fact that you were able to teach this to her and never even see her face to face and be able to communicate with her, I, I think is... It says a lot about Kirsty, doesn't it? It no. says a lot about both of you. It says a lot of, about you as the teacher being able to be clear and concise teaching her, but then also her being able to comprehend and, and be able to do it on her side. So I think... The teamwork of you guys being able to do this has been very impressive. Mm -hmm. And I think it's exciting to come up with ideas on our end of like, what could we do next? And then obviously you're getting something out of it as well on the backside of I still get to have that meteorology connection. You get to drain the tank. Yes, exactly. Get to do all of that. So my question is, now that you've had this little partnership that kind of came out of nowhere, thin air, really, (laughs) um, has that piqued your interest as to, you know, where you're going to take your journey, you know, perhaps beyond just us or, you know, in general? That's a fair question. I mean, you, you always try and keep your options open. So I work at a Cincinnati company. I'm in a finance department. I'm doing visualizations. I'm trying to optimize and inform business strategy, but you always love the weather. Mm-hmm. And you never really know what opportunity is going to be in front of you until mm-hmm. it's presented to you. Um, so after working the let's start our day at 1 a.m. or let's work holidays and weekends, right. yeah. and then you go to an 8 to 4, 9 to 5, 25 vacation days a year world, oh, man, you know, Getting up at one in the morning. How You're do I feel not about that? Do that again? Well, I don't know. So I think that, that that speaks to a lot of people I, I talk to all the time when I'm out. Oh, I wanted to be a meteorologist when I grew up. I love the weather so much. But that's just not the path that I took. I think it says that like you can still have a passion for it. You can mm-hmm. still find exactly. ways to enjoy it and get involved. It may not be your nine to five job, right. you know, but you can still do it and, and find interesting ways and just kind of be open to those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And there's so much of that needed in weather because you have right. people in the field who are spotting. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have people yeah. in the field who just have a backyard weather station and they share their data to a place where you can put it on TV. Right. Mm-hmm. And that sort of local weather information is still relevant. You can still geek out on the weather and you don't have to make it a full-time job. Exactly. And, and frankly, I don't know that meteorology is for everybody. When you go right. through all that math and science, a lot of people fall away. They say mm-hmm. this is too difficult. They're not up for the challenge. And that's okay. You can just continue to love the little thunderstorm as it blows by your house. Yeah. And and broadcast meteorology is its own unique beast. You know, Mm -hmm. being a meteorologist doesn't mean you have to be on TV. And TV, as you mentioned, it's long hours, holidays, weekends. Um, So I think that if you're listening and you're someone that loves the weather, just try and get involved. You know, get a hold of your local National Weather Service. They probably have some spotter training. I know we do locally. Yeah. We're going to have a big mm-hmm. advanced spotter training this March. Right. So you can sit at home and, and yeah. be able to let us know what's going on outside during severe weather, winter yeah. weather as well. One of these days I'm going to write a book called The Things They Never Tell You. <laughs> so because when you're going through meteorology school, I mean, there's a lot of life lessons in there. But when you're going through a undergraduate program in meteorology, no one ever sits you down and says, Kirsty, do you know that you're going to get up at one in the morning, five <laughs> days a week for the rest of your life until further notice? Right. And, and did, I mean, yeah. you're going to work this evening. You're going to be here through midnight when we're taping this. Yep. 12 and hours we're taping ago. this in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a grueling day. Yeah. And you have a family at home. You have things you want to do. It's, it's about 
trying to understand your job. It's about trying to understand what you want to do. It's about understanding the company you work for, what you want to do. So I think a big takeaway of of what we had worked on collectively, Mm -hmm. Kirsty, was the fact that you have to constantly keep inventing yourself. I didn't spend a lot of time in meteorology because it wasn't part of the prescribed coursework sitting down and learning computer programming. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I think I learned before then was re-emphasized in business was this is like a 30-second version of an MBA. You have to create value. Mm -hmm. That's the word. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do as a company, as a person to create value for a customer? Right. And the other thing is sustainable competitive advantage, the fancy business term of saying, what can I do that no one else can do that no one else can emulate. Yep. I remember, and I'm not gonna give myself a big pat on the back here, but I believe I was one of the first, if not the first, meteorologist in the modern era to use traffic lights as part of a weather forecast. Mm -hmm. And then it just spread like wildfire. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to talk about that and what I did per se, as much as I have an idea and suddenly everybody steals it. Right. So what am I gonna do that I can put on the air that it can do in meteorology that no one else can do. And as far as I know, no one's bringing power outage data in an automated way into a weather graphics machine. And there's an interesting story there. Or road conditions. Um, The road conditions part, getting the resources to do all of this was a challenge. But now we're seeing the fruits of your hard work and labor. So there's a lot of attention on me getting the data. But remember, Kirsty, you had to go into the weather graphics machine, bring this data in. You color-coded counties. So for all of the different counties, you have to set in the weather graphics machine saying, if we hit this outage, I want the color green and all that. Mm -hmm. Now, as someone sitting on the sidelines and as someone that was there on a Sunday before Memorial Day going, oh, it should be a pretty quiet day, maybe some thunderstorms. (laughs) Then all of a sudden we're in a slight risk. And then all of a sudden we've got supercells lined up in central and northern Indiana and they're blowing in. You're starting to look at data here going, this could be a pretty significant event. Now, what you did and what the rest of the meteorologists at WHIO did for that event, I mean, we sit here and talk about this for five hours. You Mm -hmm. all did outstanding work. But as kind of the coach on the sideline, having worked with you leading up to that sneaky event, Mm -hmm. the question after, do we have any fatalities, which is still amazing to me. We've we've literally talked about that constantly. How does that happen? As someone that worked March 2nd, 2012, high risk, Right. People dead on my watch, debris balls on radar before mm-hmm. you have monitoring. Mm-hmm. It's just mind blowing that you can go through an event like that in 2012. And then you hope that by the time we get to 2019, that doesn't happen. And then you see it happen. You're like, okay. But after you get through the fatality part, the injury part, and the people getting back to normal part, the question that kind of looms in the background is when am I going to get power back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. When, when, I, when can I get my life back to normal? And so I'm watching your live stream and your <laughs> tweets every morning, Kirsty, and you're like, we're at 100,000, we're at 50,000, yep. we're at 25,000. I go, it was amazing. That's part of a weather story. Yeah. Right. Because it w- came from a weather related event. Mm-hmm. And when you're telling people that the roads are icy and you're trying to automate things and you're trying to inform your newsroom on what the forecast is, they just have a place where you can go and say, this is what I'm forecasting today. Mm-hmm. And use whatever you want. That kind of automation just saves you a lot of time, especially at an operation like WHIO, because you're doing radio, you're doing social media, you're doing a weather hit every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You're all over the place. You're spread thin. Right. So automation will save you time. Yeah. 
and it became uh, a big need. It, yeah. And mm-hmm. being able to have it quickly and easily accessible, you saw that it was unique and how powerful it was, not only for the viewers, but for our company as a whole, our, our, our station as a whole. And, um, you know, news directors were like, hey, throw that power map up, you know. And so they just kind of took over our, uh, one of our graphic systems. And it was literally just all it was was the power outage map. Because That's a it cool was, story. Yeah. I mean, it just, we kind of gave up. We have two computers that we use for weather. We gave up one of them and it was dedicated just to be, have that power outage map so that the anchors could call it up mm-hmm. at any moment's notice. I remember, Kirsty, when we were working on this, I, I said, what are you guys doing for power outages? Well, the newsroom yeah, pulls like, up, they pull up the Duke like Energy website and yeah. they show an I'm like, we can do that 10 yeah. times better. Yeah. And I've had people ask me, how do you do that? And <laughs> and honestly, I'm like, I have no idea. I mean, Kirsty has become I a struggle magician. With Scott it. has done it. I struggle with it. I mean, we... Together, you guys. Data. I just yeah. make it look pretty on television. I had to sit there and I actually had to work with a programmer friend of mine who's far more knowledgeable and try and figure out why some outages had changed. Yeah. And I, we finally figured it out. I'm like, okay. This is good. It's going to be a Merry Christmas this year. We finally mm-hmm. got this working. Mm-hmm. But to be able to, after going through the debris balls and the couplets and the tornado watch and the tornado emergency, and you get through that event, and then you cover people getting back to normal, to be the coach on the sideline that's like, oh my gosh, Christy and McCall are using a power outage map. A How lot. neat. A lot. Yeah. There's yeah. snowy and icy roads. Right. Oh my gosh. They're actually showing real conditions. Yep. And that's cool. It's like... You're the players on the field actually doing all the hard work. And I'm just kind of the coach on the side like, oh, that makes me feel good. Yeah. And it's I get should. to live vicariously <laughs> through you yeah. as a meteorologist that's now just living a good old life in the business world. I will say, too, that um, just like through our partnership. So, by the way, Scott does all of the actual like programming and writing the scripts, all of that. Um, and if you read them, it's it's like computer gibberish. And I always say, like, you speak computer and then I just try to like put it together, make it look nice. But, um, you know, it can be kind of scary to ask someone for help when you don't know something. Mm-hmm. But this was kind of a lesson for me of just like, I knew you were doing things that I did not know how to do. Um, and I, I was kind of nervous to reach out because I was like, what if he says he doesn't want to show me how? Or what, what if, if he says no? Yeah, what, what if, if he's just it's like, the yeah. fear no, of rejection. Yeah. Yeah. this is stupid. Um, no, cool. Thanks for the compliment, whatever. But I wasn't afraid and I did reach out. And I'm so glad that I did because... Um, you know, it really is interesting. And I have a question for you in terms of programming. So you got your MBA, but like mm-hmm. in the computer coding world, is this something that you just truly do on the side or did you do? Yeah, any this is something work? that I do on the side because because I'm not going to go into the secret sauce of what we do. But this yeah. is different than what I do on a daily basis. Okay, so that was what I'm yeah, working was in a big data environment, okay. pulling tens of millions of rows. I'm trying to do like business Excel's, strategy. A lot of that world. But the same soft skills okay. that I, I mean, I'm at a company that's still learning a lot about data and they yeah. use Excel mm-hmm. and Excel has limitations. Yeah. And you get to 1.3 million rows and it's over mm-hmm. and I can pull tens of millions, if not billions of records and I can give it to the people that ultimately push the button and they go, can you chop this into 45 parts for me? And I'm like, it looks like we've got to come up with a different game plan here. Mm-hmm. But the soft skills of working with you have actually helped me in my job. Because okay. it just helps you conceptually get through the problem solving, the critical thinking, mm-hmm. some of the other things like that. Okay. But it is kind of a fun release. Yeah. Because if I'm able to keep that brain power up on the weather side, then that's probably going to help me as I continue to learn more and more about my job and how to organize things and pivot information so that we can use it to make decisions. It's really neat. It's been a super fun partnership. And one more thing. Um, 
for anybody that's wondering in terms of uh, in terms of coding, because really it is like one of those like future like and not future. It's like a necessity at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get your start doing that? If if someone's listening and they're just like, I want to like learn to code a little bit or try to do something on my own. Like you said, mm-hmm. just make the computer say hello. Like, you know, how how did you get your start doing that? Did you were you just Googling like how to put line of script together or sometimes it's brute force. So a fun okay. little story is <laughs> when I was working in television in Cincinnati, we were taken over by a new company and they say, we need access to all your social media pages. And I wasn't real warm on that. And they said, well, you can't use station resources. And I said, "Ooh, I'm up for this challenge. So I had to think about how I was going to be able to forecast the weather, compile all this weather and get it in a place where I could access it anywhere, preferably like on a smartphone or a tablet. So automatically that narrows down what tools you want to use. So now I can forecast the weather anywhere and I still do social media updates because I can organize all of that. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of getting the images right and finding where the weather data is and organizing it up. So I would say in summary, you got to be passionate. Mm -hmm. Number two, you got to figure out what it is you're going to do. So it's kind of that Einstein quote, it's 99% inspiration, 1% perspiration. Like what problem are we trying to solve? Mm -hmm. And then how am I going to solve it? And then that's getting the resources together and then slowly but surely building out this creation that you're going to build. It's very nebulous because some programming languages are designed for a laptop. Others Mm -hmm. you can take with you anywhere. And especially as we go into cloud-based systems and everything else, um, I think the, the next generation of weather yeah. is forecasting things that nobody else can forecast, sure. air quality and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a lot of people in the weather community that go to the vendors and say, can you forecast this for me? But the devil in the details there is if the weather vendor gives it to you, they're going to give it to everybody, right. including your competition. So you got to come up with some secret sauce yeah. and just keep working at it. You will fail constantly as i failed numerous time. times on this project <laughs> and you and you learn what's going to work for you and what's going to work for me and where we find a common ground and what's feasible yeah well scott um wonderful that we got to meet you in yeah. real life of course because you know good to meet you again yeah computers a lot um hopefully this was interesting uh to anyone not only just the weather geek part that we all just got to have but um, you know, the importance of, of being passionate about something, not being afraid to change your career. Um, that was really, thank you for sharing that with us because I think sometimes people get scared if they're not being fulfilled that they just need to keep working the same job over and just over. Just keep learning. And, yeah. yeah but but do what makes you happy learning. and do what makes you successful. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think we spend enough time in life going, am I happy with what I'm doing? Is this what I really love? Is this how I want to be spending my free time? So just keep asking yourself that question. You'll be surprised where you go. And it's telling because meteorology is such a unique thing to have a degree in. Mm -hmm. And that would be very scary to decide you were going to just change and do something like business. And I think a lot of people have very unique careers and are too scared to change. You should always change. You should always learn. Yes. And that's, uh, this is kind of a fun little project where I basically went to Kirsty and I was like, we're going to have to go to the advanced topics on this. We can't. <laughs> and you went and found the resources and not everybody will do that. So this is a success story of how you're just nice to somebody and you go, okay, well, I'm going to be nice back to you. And then all of a sudden you have this synergy where I'm happy and I'm seeing you guys use this operationally and you're appreciative at the same time. And then here we are doing a podcast today. That's right. <laughs> all, because, all because Kirsty was just a nice, 
polite, just kind a nice person. person. See what happens when you're nice to people? <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, thank you so much, Scott, though, for being here with us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and of course, if you uh, are just new to listening to Cloudy with the Chance of Podcast, we have a ton of different topics. We, of course, are meteorologists and weather nerds, but we touch on a little bit of everything. And mm-hmm. at this point, McCall, how many years have we done this? Uh, we're going to be going up on two years, I believe, in March Whoa. or maybe February. All right. So if you're traveling for the holiday season, you could binge listen to all of our past mm-hmm. episodes of Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. McCall, where can people listen to us? You can listen to us on uh, your podcast app on your Apple phone, Google Play, Stitcher, WHIO.com, and on iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.